Hello and welcome to the Bliss Career Podcast, a podcast where we talk about everything career. I am your host, Dan Solomon, and in this podcast, I am bringing you interviews with people just like you, people who were once in your shoes. I'm also going to be talking with HR managers as well as people who are experts in their various fields. We have a lot of stuff to unpack today, so please sit tight and relax and let's get to it then. Hi, everyone. Today I have Jose in the room. Thanks, Jose, for taking your time to have this chat with me. Very, very much appreciated. Jose is currently part of the the Top Start program for the Top Start International Business Leader program with BSF. And I decided to steal him a bit um, or to steal his time so he can actually share a bit more light into his journey, how he got into the Top Start program, even in the pandemic, because I think he started in the middle of the pandemic. So that's quite interesting. And he also has an interesting story. So Jose, thanks for taking your time to join this call today. I'm really looking forward to to learn a lot from you today. Thank you for having me, Dan. Awesome. Awesome. Let's just start with, um, so you briefly talking about yourself, who are you, where you're from, and just would we'll, we'll take it from there just to, just to get mm-hmm. a bit of, a, of an idea. Sounds good. Well, um, my name is uh, Jose de los Llanos. I am originally from Madrid, Spain. There I did my bachelor's where I studied aerospace engineering. And then in the last year of my bachelor's, I had the opportunity to do an exchange abroad. In fact, it was in Germany, in Munich. During that exchange, I realized that I quite liked the university where I was studying and the country. So I decided to apply for my master's. Also in in Munich, I got in, then I studied my master's also in aerospace engineering in Munich, all the while having several experiences as a working student and as an intern. And after finishing my master's, during which, by the way, I was also in in Singapore, in Asia, I joined BASF as part of the Top Start International Business Leader Program. And here we are today, four months down the line already since I joined the company. Ah, okay, awesome, awesome. Um, so, so I see you, you you studied aerospace, right? How did you go from aerospace into into? So, if I look at if I look at your journey from aerospace, and you're now in the in the business leader program, how is the connection? What actually in, intrigued you to apply for this program? Okay, good good question. So I think I need to then maybe give you a little bit more background so that you understand. Mm-hmm. Um, when when I finished high school, uh, I did a technology high school. Uh, we, we are already segregated. You know, if you study uh, social sciences or economy in Spain or you go rather for technology. So I, I was always good with physics, math, you know, numbers, all this stuff. So I did the technology one. And once okay. I finished, I had my admission to university uh, exam and I got pretty good grades, right? So I I knew I wanted to do engineering, but it wasn't really that clear to me, you know, what is really appealing to to me. Um, Mm. And then, uh, honestly speaking, aerospace engineering sounded pretty cool. I mean, I was never especially passionate about aircraft or, or, or space or anything like that. But, you know, when compared to other types of engineering, it was the one that appealed the most to me. So then I went and I studied aerospace engineering. There's no, not much more behind it. All the while during my studies, uh, what I realized is that 
what we're studying there is highly technical and highly specialized. And I also realized that for me, while I enjoyed very much studying and getting, you know, deep into the details, I, I always like to understand the whole picture of a business, of a, you know, a certain technology or a certain market, or whatever it is. Two or three years down my bachelor's, which is four years in Spain, I, I kind of realized, you know, I'm probably not the person who's going to be sitting uh, in front of the computer simulating or, or programming a model or, or I don't know, doing some CAD designs, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. I was three years down my bachelor's, obviously, so it, it, it was probably not going to be the case that I dropped my engineering bachelor and shifted to, to some other management career. And neither It was neither what I wanted because I always wanted to go on and work in a company that is closely related to, to technology in some sense. So what I did is look for some adjacent field which would allow me to get into more the business or the management side of things. And what I did is uh, I found a an internship position at a startup accelerator and also management mm -hmm. consultancy, which was mostly, so it was a global company. Uh, if you look at the locations and the office, but it was rather small, so about 50 people working there. And then uh, I did an internship there where I was both managing the scouting, the technology scouting for startups for the accelerator program, but I was also participating in, in one of, of our um, consulting projects where I first learned, you know, the, the world of strategy consulting, of business consulting, you know, helping your clients realize their goals. Very much tied to technology, of course, because that's what I was doing on the uh, accelerator side, but also on the you know on the day to day business on the on the strategy on how can we grow business. Mm. So that you know only only reinforced the the belief that I wanted to go in that direction and shift more to management. So that was by the time when I was already in in Munich and starting my my masters, which by the way okay. um, it's very much customizable in my university so I, I was able to take a lot of courses in business including corporate finance project management and and so on and then all the while i i joined afterwards um, siemens and there i was in the e-aircraft division which was pretty innovative department where they were trying to or well were, were actually manufacturing electric and hybrid engines for aircraft. Again, very, very out of the box business for Siemens and also a new, you know, a, a new niche where everything was to be defined. So there I was doing again strategy. So then I was mostly working uh, on Excel and, you know, uh, doing market modeling and projections uh, of how the, the business was going to develop. Very interesting. And I got also, you know, to to do a lot of deep diving into the uh, trends, the technologies. It was very, very interesting time. Okay. But then again, these mm -hmm. two experiences were somewhat related to aerospace, as you see, right? I mean, um, yeah. it wasn't technically developing anything, but it was on the business side of, of aerospace. So that already allowed me at least to position myself as a hybrid, if you want, so between an engineer and a and a management person. And a management. And then, you know, I, I thought, okay, I've tried this field, but why not try something else? You know, I'm still young. I'm still a student. There's still <laughs> time to change. And, uh, 
yeah, I wanted to uh, also, you know, try uh, the, the services industry, and then I joined Tufsud, which is a mm -hmm. major provider of testing, inspection, and certification. That's the core business. Now they have other side businesses, but that's that's mostly what they do. And then I joined for for a year there at the corporate strategy and innovation department. And then again, this was completely new industry, completely new field for me. Again, it was also a big company, so about 25,000 people working there. Um, okay. And then, you know, I, I got to work on a variety of projects ranging from e-mobility to, uh, to a classic certification business that we had and uh, on a very high level. So working alongside yeah. former strategy consultants from, from top tier consultancies. So overall, very good experience for me working also on, on digital business models, running workshops, doing go-to-market strategy. It was it was very uh, varied, which I really appreciated and enjoyed. And that was uh, until March uh, 2020, so this year. And after that, I almost simultaneously handed in my master's thesis or a couple of months before. And that's when the search for my current job started and let mm. me hear. So I, I think that gives a little bit of an impression on why uh, as an aerospace engineer, I ended up joining a chemical company and on a business program. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it definitely gives me a better better idea um, of why, why you actually made that decision. But I actually like what you said, right? So you mentioned looking for something adjacent to, to something you're actually interested in, right? So because if I look at your CV, I'm like, yeah. okay, you studied aeronautic engineering but you knew what you were looking for and then you tried to look for something that would position you to get that thing later, which is something I find really interesting. And and it actually worked out, right? So because you went from the internship doing strategy to Siemens and then to Tooth, and I'm sure that helped you in pitching <laughs> your your way into getting into BSF. I, I think we'll come to that question later, but but quite interesting. Thanks for sharing. So you were done with TOOF um, and then you started looking for, for new opportunities, right? When you wanted to, for your full-time job. How did BSF and the Topstart program come to mind? Like what, what intrigued you to apply for that? Yeah, so very good question. I think that it's best answered if you look at, you know, my, my trajectory. So I'm a person that mm. likes trying new things, right? And if I'm not convinced about something or the industry where I'm working on, I'll try to find my way to switch the industry or try something different. Now, mm -hmm. that case, so I, I finished my master's and I had these experiences, uh, previous experiences. And I was at a, at a point where I knew that I wanted to switch more to the management side of things. But to do that, the way I, the way I saw it, to get admitted in a management job, let's say overall job, uh, which I didn't have the background for, is to learn more. Mm. And to learn more in my case was mostly rather doing a new master's in management or an MBA, something along those lines, which I didn't yeah. want to go into because of financial and time constraints. So I had already spent six years studying, six and a half years. I thought, I thought it was time to you know, devote myself fully to the professional world at this point. So yeah. I started researching more about graduate and uh, trainee programs because in most cases, what I realized about these programs is that companies 
that are offering them do not just look for the pure hard skills or the pure qualifications, but they mm -hmm. offer you the chance to build those on the job. And they're rather looking um, not for a specific background, but for a specific skill set or motivation, if you want so, which, you know, I, I definitely believe motivation as a entry level worker makes a whole lot of a difference. And yeah. that's how I started researching about management trainee programs and graduate programs. And to be honest, 10 months ago, I didn't even know BASF existed. Uh, but along <laughs> that search, no, I was I was very honest. I, we, we will come to this yeah. later, but I was I was bluntly telling the, the recruiter about that. Um, okay. Yeah. So so along 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 that search, BASF popped up as as the leading uh, chemical company in the world, and I found the the top start program, which I found very appealing, and I ended up applying for it. And yeah, got the job at the end. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, it wasn't that easy, right? You had to go through a lot of steps before you got in. <laughs> so I think I think we'll go to yeah. that later. But yeah, quite interesting. So you 10 months ago, you didn't know BSF existed and now you're in the program. Can you tell me what was the process like? So you went through the application process, um, took the test, I guess, and then mm -hmm. did the telephone interview and, uh, and then the interview with the program manager. Doing all Correct. those steps, right? Like, what did you include? I know you've mentioned that a bit, but what do you think really helped you to convince BSF that that you were at least the right candidate they were looking for in your CV cover letter, mm -hmm. um, even though you had no experience or exposure to them before? So, if we look at it from a, uh, you know, let's look at it as a timeline, right? So, the first thing you do yeah. when you yeah. apply for a job is you submit your CV, your cover letter, you know, your transcript of records, all of that. But I believe the crucial ones are CV and cover letter. So, my CV, I was, as I said, actively applying for several trainee programs, not only at BASF but also at other companies. Mm -hmm. And what I tried to do with my with my CV is make it as easy as possible for the person reading it to get the information they need. I, I believe you also have some guidelines on your website, Dan. But uh, in my case, what I uh, my my golden rule was not to have longer than one page, and then also the the size of the letters, the size of the uh, you know of the of the font. I wouldn't go over uh, or below 11, something like mm -hmm. that, and just essentially cut it to the most important things that you need to put there. So um, I think there's a lot of studies out there that say that an average recruiter spends, you know, 10 to 20 seconds on average, right, on, on looking at, yeah. the, at the CVs that they get. <laughs> the CV. So, yeah, yeah I, I basically divided my CV on three main sections, one for education, one for my previous professional experience, and one mm. for my additional information, which includes uh, everything from societies, courses that I've done, what my hobbies are, which I believe is also important okay. to include in your CV, mm. which IT tools that I have, and so on. Yeah, so that's essentially what I do. Uh, have a nice format, show the recruiter that you've put the time required on that. So mine, uh, I mean, it's not too out of the box, but uh, I have, you know, some um, some coloring or some distinct format, right? I also include okay. my picture always. I know mm -hmm. this depends on the country. Sometimes it's, it, and actually I think for Germany, it was encouraged not to include it. But to be honest, I think this already gives a, you know, a, 
assign so that the, the recruiter can relate better to you if somebody sees your mm. face right you're not just a name you're you're a person so i yeah. i honestly I, I didn't follow that that advice that in germany you should not include it i put it in there turned out to work okay. um yeah so 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 overall make it as easy for the recruiter to find the information they need um that's mm. that's the rule of thumb then we can go into the specifics if you want but that's I believe the one critical factor that you need to uh, have there, because if you have too much clutter, it's difficult for them to look for what they need. Then they're not going to spend the time that they receive. Yeah. I don't know hundreds of applications. So that's that's the critical factor. Cover letter. Mm. Um, the cover letter. I, I think it's also critical. And for that one, I think it's most importantly to show the person reading that that you've done your research. I mean, if, if I need to highlight one thing about the cover letter, that would be it. So okay. not only research the company, but also research the job posting and, and essentially tailor your cover letter to that. Um, by that, I mean, you know, including specific examples um, of, you know, the latest news about the company. If they have acquired a, a company recently, you could mention that as an example. If, you have, if they have restructured recently or there's some major uh, developments that have gone out in the news in the you know, last half a year or so, include that because that already um, shows that your level of interest is, is high. It's and fine. then, mm. um, yeah, last but not least, of course, you need to tailor the cover letter, I would say, to the specific job posting that you're applying, right? Mm -hmm. If a job posting mm -hmm. says that you should have had some experience in consulting then you know have have one paragraph or a couple of sentences at the very least to explain uh, or to give a hint to the recruiter beyond your cv on what you did in your previous consulting job um mm -hmm. could be yeah. now that could be anything right but just just as, as as a rule of thumb and very importantly not making it redundant to your cv so your cover letter should go beyond your CV and and elaborate on the why for the things that you did that you have already in your CV. I think mm -hmm. that's that would be my advice in general for both CV and, and cover letter. Okay. Um. So so the question was was like what what you actually included um to to show BSF that um, you were the right person for them to yeah to okay the program. Yeah, so so good question. As I said, I tailored it very much to the to the company. So I was asking, or I was including, you know, um, I don't know. It was a certain acquisition in this case of BSF. Uh, I think it was acquisition of a biotechnology company in the aroma sector. So I was including that in my cover letter. Um, okay. You know, I was tailoring it to the business, um, explaining, you know, why I find the industry and the business itself interesting for me and what i believe is then the next step all of these things of course in the cover letter the cv mm. was pretty much standard to all the applications i sent but then in the yeah. cover letter i i dedicated the time to make one cover letter per job that i applied to okay that's interesting to know yeah yeah you mentioned really good points here especially on the cv part um that you need to be um make it as easy as possible for the recruiter to read and get the information out which could either be in the font or in the way the layout is, right? Um, giving enough space exactly. that it's easy for them to read. 
and, and and for the picture, that is also important. I think for Germany, actually, um, you are advised to have a picture because it just gives a oh, okay. it gives a it gives a different touch um, to to the overall picture. So thanks, and and I'm actually very interested and intrigued on how you tailored your CV, your cover letter, <laughs> to actually include this very detailed information on on the acquisition of the com- of of a company the company acquired, and and even giving them ideas, right? Or saying, okay, yeah, this is what you think could happen um, in a specific business. I think it just showed the company that you were really interested and you've done your research. Um, so great stuff. Thanks for mentioning that. So I'm, I'm just going to go a bit deep, right, into BSF now, because the question is, uh, you got into the program during the pandemic. So so you applied to the program and everything was online. You you had all your interviews online and, and, and you got a job virtually right so you you never actually did go there in person am i right you're correct so how did you do that so the question is because doing this in person is sometimes it's easy because there are a lot of there are a lot of stuff that you can show when you're face to face but online is quite difficult um to to stand out so so how did you actually stand out online to prove to them that hey you were actually fit for the job and ready to do the job just to to help all the people out there who are going through the same yeah. problem now that everything is virtually and they're finding it difficult to actually stand out what would you advise them um, to do when they're in similar situations yeah so first of all i would say what what uh, needs to stand out and what your first point of contact with the company is is your cv and your cover letter so that's where you should be spending, I would say, 80% of your time, especially on the mm-hmm. cover letter. I think that makes a difference yeah. between a candidate that gets the interview and the one that doesn't get the interview. And mm-hmm. then when you get the interview, which uh, generally, if it's a mid to big sized corporation, then it will be with uh, HR uh, managers or recruiters. Then I believe it's about following the same advice so doing your research right you you need to have very clear uh, specific facts about the company uh, you need to be prepared to answer specific questions uh, like you know why BASF why the program and you need to be convincing about those answers so yeah they exactly. need to be mm-hmm. the answers that you believe that are right I mean not that are right but what appeals to you so if you try to make up a story and and then you end up sounding not authentic that's gonna screw up everything that you've achieved until then until you got the interview so Mm. don't lie you know be honest with yourself and and really ask yourself okay why do I want to join the company why is it appealing to me Uh, and do not try to write just some fancy story there uh, because you most likely are not gonna sound authentic and if it's that that's the case and the recruiter finds out, then obviously you're not going to make it to the to the next round. Mm-hmm. So authenticity is core. Of course, there's a set of questions that you need to prepare yourself for. As I mentioned, that's just two of them. But in my case, it's pretty much very clearly I needed to have a, a, a story, you know, on why um, I am applying for that company without being a a chemist myself or having any mm-hmm. experience in the chemist uh, sorry in the in the chemical business in so of course I, I i was already prepared to nicely and concisely show my my way until i got there 
probably today I spoke too much. I would rather keep it concise, right? And and mm-hmm. give an overview. Do not try to talk too much and allow the mm-hmm. recruiter to ask questions if they are required. Mm-hmm. But of course, you need to have your storyline prepared. It depends very much on the case that you're doing. If I need to highlight something is uh, authenticity, as I said before. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. Awesome. What would you say um, now that you've joined the program? Um, so I think you joined the program in, or you joined the company in May, right? And, yeah, in and June. you joined, sorry, in June. And you started in the middle of the pandemic, which is also something a lot of people would be facing these days that they start right from home. Do you have any tips to people who are starting their jobs now on how to navigate those first few months, um, given that you're actually starting from home and not seeing anybody in person? Yeah, I think this is a very good question, Dan. Uh, allow me first, you know, because I forgot to the previous question you were asking about uh, doing the interview process remotely. And yeah. I did not mention a couple of points. I focused on authenticity, but I think it's very important to take the process seriously as much as if it were in person. And by that, mm-hmm. I mean having the right background behind us when we are having the interviews. Do prepare yourself and dress like you would dress for an interview that is in person. Because all these little things send messages to the recruiter, right? If you are there yeah. in your T-shirt and your pajamas um, doing the interview, then, of course, even if you don't mean it in that way, you're sending a message. So <laughs> my, my best advice would be take it as seriously and follow the same procedure that you would be following if you do it in person. Impressive. Now, yeah, coming yeah. back to this question, then starting a job in the middle of the pandemic. Now, I'm not going to lie. It's also been a challenge for me. It's been a challenge, especially to connect with colleagues on a more personal level. Um, mm. uh, needless to mention, you don't have those casual interactions that you would be having, like, um, you know, going for lunch or, or you know, just grabbing a coffee and chatting for five, 10 minutes. You don't have this. So you need to be proactive about getting that. And by that, I mean proactively scheduling get to know calls with people mm-hmm. that are working in, in my department or in my division. And you need to be proactive about it because nobody's going to do it for you. I mean, your manager, yeah. of course, will try uh, most cases to, to uh, hook you up with certain people. But uh, there's at some point, they, they also have their own responsibilities and they might give you a push. But at the end of the day, it's, it's on you. So I would encourage everybody to go and, and directly schedule their get-to-know calls. Don't be afraid. People are generally very welcome to um, have those kind of calls with you and are happy to to mentor you a little bit when you join the company. But of course, yeah. it needs to come from you. They have other things in their mind and they're not uh, you know, going to come to you in flocks to have that kind of interaction. And then beyond that, I think, uh, yeah, it, it requires a lot of honest communication with your manager. Yeah. The first months are difficult in any job, also when you start in person, but starting remotely makes it even more complicated. So you need to be very specific and very clear about the help that you need from your manager. And that could be anything from IT equipment that you're missing, for example, to to just a, a simple example, but it could be as simple as that. 
uh, and mm -hmm. you don't know where to get it to some specific information that you cannot find do not be afraid to go and reach out to your manager he also wants you to be as productive as possible and we all know this is an extra challenge but if you don't speak out you're gonna essentially shoot yourself in the foot i would that that's what my impression has been communicate mm. communication mm. communication communication yeah I, I also I also started in the pandemic, right? So I, I fully concur with what you just said. Um, it's quite important. Communication plays a huge role here and the proactiveness, right? So be proactive to, to actually get what you want. Um, thanks a lot for sharing this. I, I think you've mentioned quite a lot of important points here, um, right from authenticity um, to making sure that your CV is straight to the point when you're applying for these jobs. And also how you were able to navigate your first, I would say your first month um, starting in the middle of the pandemic. So thanks a lot for sharing this. Before we go, right, I just want to, to touch a bit on the Top Start program a bit, right? Just to give um, the listeners out there, some of which might be interested in the program. If you can just shed a bit light on the program itself, what you think about the program and how your experience has been within the program. And where you see yourself going in the next two or three years with the program, just to give people out there who have lots of questions that don't know much, um, I would want to know from somebody who is in the program to get a bit more insight. Good question. Um, so the program itself, you find all the information online, but uh, if I need to highlight three things that appealed to me the most and i'm seeing that they are actually very true once you join would be one the responsibility that you get so you get to work on projects that really matter that matter to the mm -hmm. business and that is core to what i wanted then the second one i think most importantly i, I already knew this one was going to be so because i had done my research before joining but it's okay. about who are the other participants? Am I going to challenge myself by being surrounded with these brilliant people? Or is it rather, you know, um, do I think I already essentially know everything I need to know? If that's the case, then the program is not for you. If you do your research, you go online, you saw on LinkedIn, the, the, person, the people that are working there, and you're fascinated by their backgrounds, you would want to share your experience and learn from them. I think this is core to the program. That's one of the things that I am enjoying the most, actually. There's mm -hmm. top people mm -hmm. in there, and that's, for me, very, very important. And the third thing that appealed to me the most from the Top Start program is the visibility that you get to management. As I said, you get not only to work on projects that matter, but then you also get to present those and, and to gather the feedback from senior management directly yourself as just uh, coming out of university as a graduate or after after a master's in management or whatever it is, I think this is a unique opportunity that we have and we need to capitalize on it to grow with BASF. So, mm. yeah, I, I think those three things would be the the core to me, to the people that are joining. It's, it's, not, it's not an easy job, but I, I assume if you're applying for this program, is because you want challenge and you want to challenge yourself and step out of your comfort zone and learn new things, then this program mm -hmm. is for you. If you want to get comfortable doing a job 
and and you know uh, spend many years in that job and become an expert in in something but not really challenge yourself every few months i would say even then probably this would not be the program for you yeah so i don't know if um, i answered there was another question there dan i think um yeah i think i think you covered most of them um just just to give a general info to, to people out there to have an inside overview right from from someone who is in the program compared to what they read online because of course there's a lot of information online um, but to get this insider information from someone in, mm-hmm. in the program, it's something that's very valuable. And, and you've mentioned quite a lot of them, which is which is quite nice to have to help those out there who are interested um, to join the program as well. So thanks a lot, Jose. Mm-hmm. Just just before I would say, now we are in the closing rounds of the of, of the interview or, or the podcast. If you step back a bit, right? So you step back from your shoes um, as. <laughs> as an employee of BSF, and I, you've mentioned a lot of stuff in the beginning, from the CV to the cover letter to how to be authentic in the virtual in the virtual world. So if you were to give someone an advice now, so because the thing is there are a lot of companies that or the, the job market today is not very pleasant. And I'm sure you were in a similar situation back then in April, May. Um, so if you were to give someone an advice who is currently applying for something today, what would that be? Yeah. Uh, first of all, research. Be flexible. Mm-hmm. So, uh, as I said, um, I'm now working in the chemical industry, and it's a fascinating industry. But if I had stayed narrowed focus and uh, trying to join the aerospace sector, I might have not even be employed by now. Being honest, yeah. aerospace sector have been has been um, hardly hit by the virus, and it's still suffering a lot. So, so I think number one, be flexible, know what you want to do, of course, but it doesn't mean that if you want to work on finance, you can only go to a bank and work in a bank. There's thousands of companies out there, uh, ours as, as an example, that, that has a you know, huge finance department, finance infrastructure, and might be a job that you would actually enjoy more than, than being a bank. So stay flexible would be the one. And the second one, and I already said it before, but I cannot stress it enough, uh, be authentic. Remember that mm. recruiters, at the end of the day, are people. So beyond the formal requirements of the job, there's always nuances that make them, when they have two similar profiles, decide for one. And I think yeah. I'm a firm believer that what makes the difference in these cases is how authentic you are how natural you you portray yourself and as i was saying before i was interviewing with basf and i was being honest with the recruiters and telling them you know i didn't know the company 10 months ago Mm. but now (laughs) i think it's a very interesting company and i would be thrilled to join you because i know i know you're working on this i know you have acquired this company i know you're building a mega complex in asia a new forbund center Mm. in asia and i I have done my research. So the company, yeah. they're not judging me because I didn't know the company 10 months ago, but they can tell I'm interested in it. And that's okay. So just be yeah. authentic. Don't be scared. Share your experiences. That's going to help you a lot, especially connecting with somebody through online means. It's a whole difference. People try or or uh, I believe some people out there believe that doing remote interviews online means that you can take the chance to 
cut corners or or cheat a bit what do i know right um, <laughs> you might you might get away with with portraying yourself in a different way um, but believe me that's that's not the case recruiters are used to doing this by now be as you are they can tell um, mm. and, and yeah they can tell it's like we cannot stress enough be authentic and and be flexible at the end of the day the the, the pieces fall into place and you yeah. know as I said, 10 months ago, I didn't know the company. Uh, if you told me that now I would be working in BSF, in the Top Store program, and working in the animal nutrition business, I would have told you you're crazy. And now <laughs> I'm loving it. So yeah. uh, life takes certain turns, and I, I believe hard work and, and perseverance and flexibility will help you getting there where you deserve to be, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Jose. I think a lot of information packed in here and a lot of stuff to learn from your story and how you went to having absolutely no idea about about the chemical industry, about BSF 10 months ago to actually being a top start program. And I'm sure that most of our readers or listeners who are interested in the program have also taken one or two things from this. So, I would say thank you again for taking your time, Jose, and I really, really wish you all the best as you continue the journey in, in the next two to three years. Same to you, Jen. Uh, sorry, Dan. Uh, <laughs> I would be <laughs> and I will be thrilled to, to continue sharing this experience with you. Uh, yeah, we joined at yeah. almost the same time. So, so, so I think we're almost in the same stage. And so far, I can say it's been a, a wonderful journey. And I know it will continue that way. So yeah, thank you for inviting me and yeah, anytime I'm happy to, to help. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thank you once again for listening to today's episode. If you got any value from this podcast, please hit the subscribe button to stay updated when new episodes are published. Oh, and remember sharing is caring. Share the podcast with a friend to make sure he or she is not missing out. And as always, you can find all the tools and the templates you need on blisscareer.de. Until then, I wish you a wonderful time ahead. Bye-bye and stay safe.